LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Derek Hanna. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid, practical, gospel-centered ministry tip every week. G'day, Derek. How are you? Well, thank you, Scott, from different parts of the country today. Yeah, it's nice to do it online. Uh, I mean, it's nice when when you're here, but uh, let me just say that. But uh, it's good to see that you're home in Brizzy with the family. Yes. Yes, it is. It's It's nice to wake up, you know, wake up and hear those birds in the background. uh, Yeah, you don't have birds in Sydney? No, we don't have birds in a podcast studio that has all these noise buffering things all around it. So, yeah, surprising. Each each to his own. Yeah. All right. Uh, now, the one thing is brought to you with thanks to Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planning Network, and we're a part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. We want to encourage you to check out our network page on iTunes. You can see a whole bunch of other quality Christian podcasts. And today, we want to uh, spend a little bit more time with the guests that we had from our last episode, episode number 48 on Small Group Essentials, Robbie Gallaty. Uh, you can check out his podcast in the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network, Making Disciples. Uh, jump in and check out on that. But for now, you've pressed play on episode 49 of The One Thing, Small Group Essentials Part 2. Well, one of the things that's been really helpful talking to Robbie is just hearing how they have gone about it. He's gone about it in a number of churches. He's written books on this. And one of the helpful things that he says in his uh, the new book that he's written here and now is that often we're focused on being in churches decisionistic. That is some point in time as where that's actually what everything is focused towards. But rather, we need to be thinking disciplistic. That is, uh, people that are moving and it's a journey, and there's um, a movement from immaturity towards maturity, and within there, uh, they're coming to faith in Christ. And it's really helpful. But as we think about D groups, this is what we'll push into today with Robbie. Um, the, it is hard to conceptualize in, a, in a, a busy culture with people under pressure in a whole number of areas. How does you fit more in your week? And how it is that you talk to people within your church? And what is it you let go and how you manage the tension of some things not being done as well as you want in order to further increase the opportunities for discipleship and see people grow and see people come to Jesus? And so they're, they're the kind of questions we're going to dig in with Robbie today. All right, enough of us. Let's get back into last week's interview with Robbie. It is a long-term crockpot recipe. This is not a this is not a microwavable process. So pastors, you know, we 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 want to know when it's going to happen. We want it now. Why is it not happening? You got to realize at the end of Jesus's three-year ministry, and this is the greatest guy to ever step foot on earth. He raises the dead. He gives sight to the blind. He produces catfish po'boys dinner on the ground, right? I'm from New Orleans, so he, he could produce those po'boys. And listen, at the end of his ministry, guys, think about this. He has a whopping 120 guys. Like Outreach Magazine is not doing a story on that. No offense to our Lord, but – and what I'm getting at is not that Jesus was doing anything different that, that we shouldn't come in or model. What I'm saying is he had to be on to something more than quick – have it now discipleship processes. Jesus knew that if he could invest in a few people and grow those people deep, that the breadth of the ministry would be unstoppable. So that's that's really helpful, Robbie. One of the, I guess, one of the pushbacks you could get is you're investing so much in discipleship. What about evangelism? You know, does mission go off the radar? Um, you know, 
long hollow, I'm assuming, you know, stopped growing because you were just focusing all this time inwards and not focusing outwards. Yeah. It, yeah. Is that is that what you've seen, or as you you know, as people get in the word, uh, as they encourage each other, as they pray for mission opportunities, the church actually grows. You see, actually, people, you know, more Scott, that's a great church. question. Okay, let me ask the pastor listening. Pastor, let me ask you a question. You can beat your people over the head every week and say, "Share your faith. Share your faith." You can train them in multiple evangelistic methods, right? You could do faith and evangelism explosion and three circle. You can do anything you want. Yep. But the reality is, how do you ever hold your people accountable to share their faith if you're not in a small group, guys, where I'm looking you eyeball to eyeball every week and asking some of these hard accountability questions, which we ask all the time. Listen, here's the two questions we ask. Have you shared your faith with anyone this week? You ready for this? Question number two, did you even try? Hmm. Now, think about this, because people think discipleship Four people in a group chanting songs, memorizing the word, <laughs> never leave us for no more. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about getting together weekly as a supercharge, as an investment so that they can live missionally the rest of the six days. Okay. Yeah. So, so yes, that's a, that's a very good concern. But the thing is the next stop on the train, you know, worship life group, D group, I forgot to mention, there's one more stop. And this, the last stop is change the world. Mm. So our pathway has four stops. Change the world is the outflow of a discipling relationship. Here's what they found. Lifeway did an interesting research and found this. They studied discipleship over the last 10 years. Mm. It's the largest discipleship research anybody's ever done. Here's what they found. Four things. They pulled thousands of churches. They found four things. Number one, small groups matter a lot. That's what they found. You have to have them. And we knew this. The second thing is discipleship is always intentional, never by happenstance. So the pastor that says who's listening, oh, I got discipleship going on in my church. It's organic. It's so free and flowing. I don't even know about it. I push back to him would be, uh, it's interesting. That's not what Jesus did. Like Jesus was highly militant and systematic when it came to intentional with the guys. But here's the two I want to leave you with. And this, this is interesting. The third thing they found was that when you get disciples to engage the Bible on a consistent basis, now I'm not talking about just reading the Bible and regurgitating. Engaging is reading and applying and living through accountability. Mm -hmm. That that is the number one spiritual discipline to get people in. Like if you're a investing person, which we all do, invest our time and talents. If you're going to invest in one discipline, silence, solitude, fasting, evangelism, worship, uh, journaling, you're going to invest in Bible engagement. But here's the fourth one. It flows from the third. And I think this is so amazing. They found that people who engage the Bible consistently, it exponentially impacted every other spiritual discipline in a person's life. Mm. For example, people who engage the Bible were more generous to give money. People who engage mm. the Bible were more generous in giving their time. People who engage the Bible raised a holy hand in worship. People who engage the Bible were on mission to share their faith than people who didn't engage the Bible. So if we're going to look at one, and we knew this, like we knew all mm. this stuff, mm. but the data is so cool to have because mm. what we realize is the more people we can get in a smaller environment where they're engaging the Bible and living life relationally, that has a greater impact on the church and the community. Now, here's what I'll, I'll share with you. Pastor, those leader listening, you need to evaluate your own ministry. 
Like as a leader, if that's success, equipping the saints for the work of ministry, that's success. Here's the question. If you're not seeing discipleship in your church, could it be that maybe you've spent all your time executing the ministry yourself with your staff? Or have you restructured your week to equip the saints so they can partner with you to do the God-given ministry that God has given them to do? And so that's the question we ask the pastors. That's great. The um, I, I've listened to a number of your podcasts, and one of the things I know you guys aren't saying this is the only uh, this is the only model. Um, but one of the things I do exactly. love, and you guys, uh, exactly. one of the things, the quotes I heard that D.L. Moody one. I love the way that uh, I do evangelism better than the way you don't, and it's the same no, with yeah. I love the way I do discipleship better than the way you don't, and that's true for a lot of us. There is no deliberate decision making process in it that's biblical and thoughtful. So that your book um, here and now, I've been worth my way through it. Really helpful. Um, have you have you enjoyed it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. It's been um, so. W- one of the things that, for all its faults, Australia and there are many, many biblical theology has been one of the things which we've. Um, there's been a number of theologians who've come through Graham Goals with, particularly, who've uh, grappled with biblical theology. But this is a different take on it, and it's interesting. It's good. I love the history. I love you delving into um, yeah uh, the history. So I'm, I'm kind of halfway through at the moment. Um, up to New King in town. It's good. Uh, Thank you. Easy Thank to read. You. Very insightful. Yeah, helpful. Thank you. Yeah, the last I love half the, of the book. I just, Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I love the bit actually at the start where you were talking about, I was going to touch on this in the podcast, but sorry, the decisionistic versus the disciplistic stuff. I think that's a that's a nice little um, a nice little uh, change. I like that distinction. That's helpful. Yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate that. The last half of the book, the first half is history. The last half is all practicality. So okay. I'm hoping people get there because uh, I have some practical ways to do it. Now, so. Robbie, yeah. can I ask us as well, the replicate ministry stuff that you do, that's a, that's a sort of um, adjunct to, has that been something you've done since Brainerd or you've only just done it a long way? So the replicate launched when I left my first church in, in Louisiana and went to Brainerd in 2008. Okay. It was a discipleship idea. It was kind of this fledgling ministry. We didn't have kind of a plan. It, we had a plan. We thought we were going to do these major U.S. conferences and, you know, ring the discipleship bell. We realized there's not a lot of money in conferences. Very few people today go like they used to. So we retooled the ministry, did it more of a training model. When I moved to Long Hollow, I was basically leading Brainerd, the president of Replicate. It was too much. Long Hollow is an animal in itself. I couldn't do both. Yep. And so we hired a full-time director, Chris Swain, who does the podcast with hmm. me. And since then, man, it's been amazing. We're now training more pastors and writing material. So, yeah, it's we're just trying to ring the bell. Like you said, there's no perfect model, hmm. but there are some useful models. Yep. Hmm. And we think we have a useful model that's worked in the church. And so, yeah. Excellent. And can, can I ask as well, just from a process question, how much um, how much does the actual church staff team at Long Hollow you know, push into the, uh, the the D groups. Like, how much do you actually organise them? You know, lo- line people up with each other, or are they, um, you know, how how organic or not organic are they? You know, do you, are you aware of everyone who's in a discipleship group, who they're meeting up with, how long yes. they're meeting up for? Do you close them down and say, look, you've been meeting up for too long, you need to start a new one? How do yeah? How do you um, how do you keep? Oh, those are great those questions. Groups? So, yeah, great question. So we post every name and person in a group. So we have, what are we at now? So when I first got here, it was interesting. First year I got here, we pushed it the first year. The number grew to 1,600 in two years. We had over 1,635 people in D groups the first year I was here, which we thought this is going to be unbelievable. 
1600 will multiply to 2500 yep. we're gonna have we're gonna have five six thousand people but what happened was and we learned a lesson uh and i just naively thought i'm gonna bring in a whole disciple first team like i brought in the best disciple making guys that were part of our tribe in right yep. guys who mentored me guys and i just naively thought it's gonna work and what happened was people got in groups and didn't do the process and the guardrails we so they would say hey we meet and watch football and eat pizza we're making disciples yep. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It. I don't know if that's yeah. right. Right, that's not it. No, that's not it. So, so what we did is the number now that they had some attrition, and so now we have a good number three years in. I think we're at nine. What's the number, Chris? You know, um, we're at the high nine. Uh, high, high nine. Eighty, I think. Yeah, nine eighty, something like that. Yep. But these are nine hundred eighty people who we check in with, and this is how you keep the thing going. We found you have to have one or two two major trainings a year that continue to give a shot in the arm for discipleship because, you know, like vision, if you don't continually yep. share your vision and mission, it, it ebbs and, and leaks. And so we do two major trainings a year. And then at the end of the year, we constantly push to replicate. Yep. So what we say is you never want to replicate, but if you don't replicate, the ministry stops with you. And here's the line I use. Uh, I wrote it. And then growing up, the gospel came to you because it was heading to someone else. Mm -hmm. And so if the gospel came to you because it, so it was heading to someone else, every person in there has a spiritual baton and you're either fumbling the handoff or you're passing it on. Yep. And so we look at success through replication. Yeah. 60% okay. okay. of the groups replicate. So, 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 a star so in terms of your staff team then and staffing those 980 groups, is that just a really good church management software tool? It's, it's obviously a group of people who are running the, two major training events and you're, you're casting vision for it as well. Yeah. What, yeah okay. How many, an, how many coaches question. have you got above that or how many people are meeting up? So it's 980 people, roughly three. And this is just adults. I think with kids, we're at 1250 or something. Wow. These are just adults. Okay. So 980 people, but here's how we staff it. We, we change the typical American church model from a women's and men's men's leader. Cause because like a men's this men's uh, pastor, what does he do? He basically does one thing. He creates events and he invites people to big events, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like we have the men's retreat. We have the, the wild game dinner. You know, it's like – and so his whole job is create an event, get them to the next event. Yeah. So I call it the two or three hump camel, right, mm -hmm. which I talked about, uh, Derek, in the Here and Now book. Mm -hmm. Student ministry. D, D now, summer camp, fall retreat. And basically you become a manager of spreadsheets and you don't become a shepherd of, of people, right? You don't become a disciple maker. So here's what we did. We shifted our whole men's and women's ministry from the men's pastor. Now his whole job is to help people get in discipleship groups and figure out the God given talents and abilities he's given them so they can now lead groups yep. and hold people accountable. And then the women's minister, same thing. So we still do some events, but these events now are a front door funnel yep. to get people on a thoroughfare to replicate their life through missions, evangelism, and serving. Yep. Yeah, great. That's really helpful. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. So, Robbie, if you can just distill it down to one thing, one sentence, what would that what would that be? What do you want to leave Australian <laughs> listeners with? Oh, man. Okay, here's what I would say. This is one big picture uh, idea. As a disciple maker leader, you can't expect from others what you're not emulating yourself. Okay. So what I mean is this, if you want your church to make disciples, you need to be a disciple maker. If you want your church to be men and women of the word, then you need to be as a leader in the word. If you want a praying church, then it's a trickle down effect from the leader. So I would say that. 
And the second thing I'll say is one more. Give me two. The, 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 <laughs> the one part B. You need to be okay in ministry with low-level frustration all the time. Yeah. Like the fact that you're changing your discipleship model and it's not changing right away, you need to be okay with that. There are certain things in church that you shouldn't die on those hills and you need to be okay with low-level frustration. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The One Thing. Next time, please join us. We're going to hear from Kathy Hurd on Developing Female Leaders. I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Derek Hanna. Chat soon. <laughs>